Good afternoon, my friends. The doctor is in the house. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G. Hey, everybody. I'm so glad to welcome you back. Hey, it's a great day. As always, we're here breaking down topics, breaking down the issues that are plaguing us as far as health. But I'm so excited here to welcome everybody back to the show. It's a milestone show for me today. This is number 45. Can you believe it? But 45 shows, but really talking about the tools, giving people the tools that they need to help help do better in their life, to, to, to really take hold of their health and to continue to live healthy and active lifestyles. And today's show is no different. We're going to be talking about vaping. And uh, before we get into that, you know, we'll set, the, we'll set the record straight on what vaping is all about and everything. And, and again, what we need to do to make sure that we address this growing epidemic in our country and making sure that at the end of the day, you know, I think as physicians, as healthcare leaders, we always say our, our code is do no harm. And that holds so true when we talk about today's show, the topic of vaping. So welcome back to To Your Health with Dr. G. My name is Dr. Mark Gomez. I'm a board-certified internal medicine physician practicing out of Edward Hospital. You can check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. You're listening here live on Facebook. We're in studio live at Intellectual Radio. And again, I'm so happy to welcome everybody back to another episode of the show. So here's how the show works. For anybody that's new to the show, basically what I do is I invite my, my group of uh, medical experts, healthcare leaders, people that are in the trenches, and we talk about a topic. But our goal for the show is to make sure you, the listener, you, the person that's out there caring for your loved ones, has the right information. I want you to leverage me as a doc, leverage my network of experts to continue to get healthy together. It truly does take a village to, to, to solve the health challenges that are facing us in our communities and as a country. And the, really, the reality is that, again, we're all about building trust and delivering truth. And again, no, no better time than now. As we create that urgency, we can create action, and that action will lead to continued fulfillment in our health and in our lives. Again, my website is www.drmarkgomez.com. Hey, we're going to have a great guest today. We have two amazing panelists today, Dr. Stephen Kovar and Dr. Aaron Weiner. I've known both of them for a long time. They're experts in their field. You guys are going to get to meet them in a few moments. But before we meet our guests, i got to hit you with a quick disclaimer. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So here we are today on this Wednesday. Our topic today, that vaping show. But we're really here talking about how do we, how do we find practical solutions to a growing epidemic in our country, and especially when we're talking about facing the growing epidemic to our youth. So let's end youth vaping once and for all. Enough talk, now we gotta have action. So today we're gonna talk about that kind of stuff. We're gonna break the show down into to talking about certainly the adult population for a little bit, but the majority of the shows can be focused on the policies and the practical solutions that we wanna do as far as addressing the youth vaping epidemic. So without further ado, I wanna introduce my guest today. My first guest, he's sitting here next to me on my right. His name is Dr. Stephen Kovar. He's been on the show before. Yes. This is now his third time on Tear Up with Dr. G. I like you a lot, <laughs> so that is why I have to get you back on the show, uh, but I'm so excited to have you back on. Let me read you Dr. Kovar's uh, credentials. Dr. Stephen Kovar is a board-certified pediatrician. He's with Kids First Pediatrics, LTD. Check him out, www 
kidsfirstdocs.com. Dr. Kovar, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Please give us a little bit about your background, where you did your training, where you did um, your uh, medical school, where you did your residency, and a little bit about opening statements about what does this topic today mean to you? Yeah, uh, again, like I said, my name is Steve Kovar. I'm a pediatrician. Uh, I did my training at medical school. was at University of Illinois at Chicago, and I did my residency at Hope Children's Hospital on the south side of Chicago. I've um, been practicing for 17 years, so I've uh, been through a lot of different things, seen a lot of changes in, in pediatrics, um, but nothing really kind of is hitting more than, than as we start something that's gonna, that can affect a child lifelong. And so vaping for us, is just as you said, it's becoming a, an epidemic, and it's hitting children at younger and younger ages. And when we're having our youth getting affected by something, that 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 it, it goes right to my heart, you know, and it's and it's it's hard because they're hitting kids, and kids are making decisions that they're not, I don't want to say mature enough, but not mature enough to make, and unfortunately, it's hitting them and getting them addicted early on, and then trying to break that cycle of addiction becomes increasingly harder and harder as they get older, and because of the misconceptions that children are given, and the different um, advertising that is going towards children, it it. Their, 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 their thinking is very skewed, and, and it's, unfortunately it's all misconceptions, but it's misconceptions that are leading to long-term effects. And you're absolutely right, Dr. Kovar. We want to make sure that people have the right tools, but again, we live in a, we, we, the reality is we live in a disease society, but we want to be, we have to have this collective mind shift, uh, the, the shift towards this mindset of prevention, but no better way than now to talk about it because this issue is front and center, we're reading about it, we're hearing about vaping all the time, but now, again, no more talk. We need to do something about this. So I'm, so I'm excited to have you on the show to get more insight on your take on things, and I cannot wait to talk to you more about this kind of stuff. So let me introduce my next guest. He and I have known each other for a long time, too. We did some work together. Actually, how I originally met Dr. Aaron Weiner. He and I uh, worked together doing some, <clears throat> doing some work on a subcommittee for opioid prescribing at Edward Hospital. And that was a few years ago, and ever since we've been great friends, he's been on the show before. So I want to welcome Dr. Aaron Weiner back to the show. Let me read his, let me read his credentials. Dr. Aaron Weiner, he's a director of addiction services at Linden Oaks Behavioral Health. Check him out at www.eehealth.org. Dr. Weiner is joining us on the phone today. Dr. Weiner, how are you doing? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thank you for coming on to the show again. Uh, and by the way, Dr. Weiner, you are my first calling guest on my milestone show number 45 so kudos to you my friend <laughs> honored honored to be the first absolutely hey uh I, i'm so glad to have you back on the show and again a topic that sets that, that sits sits in your heart as far as you wanting to create more engagement and certainly to have to develop practical solutions of vaping why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background where did you do your training and a little bit about uh what does this topic today mean to you absolutely I got my doctorate at the University of Illinois down in Urbana-Champaign, and I did the rest of my training. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so I don't do a residency per se, but I trained in the VA for a couple years after that, the Heinz VA, and I uh, specialized in addiction psychology over in the Ann Arbor VA. And I've been, uh, I've been here in Illinois for about three years now um, in my current role with Lyndon Oaks and Edward Elmhurst Health, uh, directing the addiction service line. And part of the reason why I'm so passionate about this is that we see so many of our adolescents in our programming uh, for behavioral disorders, as uh, psychiatric disorders, as well as addiction, vaping. 
And much like Dr. Kovar said, there's so many misconceptions. And what really gets me riled up about it, honestly, is that I think it's a, it's a predatory market. I think that the reason why these misunderstandings are occurring is because there's an industry that really relies on getting these kids hooked. 90% of addiction starts in your adolescence. And so if that's your business, that's who you go at. And so whenever I see that happening, it, it just gets a rise out of me. So I speak out about it as much as I can. Well, thank you, Dr. Weiner, for coming on to the show. And again, I cannot wait to pick your brain more about this topic. Here's the deal, everybody. This is what we're dealing with. This is the reality. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control says that the number of U.S. teenagers who admitted to using tobacco products, quote, within the last 30 days, end quote, rose 36% between 2017 and 2018, which is equivalent to going from 3.6 million people up to now 4.9 million. That growth is attributed to e-cigarette use, a.k.a. vaping. So the reality is that the rise is there. University of Michigan uh, published a study called the Monitoring the Future Study, and they looked at 45,000 interviews of, with students across the country. The reality is that the percentage of 12th grade students who reported vaping nicotine rose up to 21% from 11% in 2017. Eighth grade students, um, also, you're seeing a rise in 8th grade students, up to about 6.1% of 8th grade students uh, using vaping. And then, of course, the whole general high school population as a whole, they're vaping. And it's equivalent to about 1.3 additional teenagers who have vaped, uh, according to a University of Michigan study. So the reality is that we have now academic published published works that show the problem, but the question is, what are we doing about this? So that's what we're going to be talking about today, is what are we doing about this, and how can we make this epidemic go in the other direction? So let me ask this first question uh, to Dr. Kovar. Dr. Kovar, what is vaping? Because I, I want to try to clarify that to the people out there that are, that are listening. What's vaping? Well, vaping is using uh, an electronic device, and what happens is there's a heating element in the electronic device and uh, people will put uh, a, a, a small substance, usually a couple drops of a liquid on there, it'll heat it up and what they're doing is actually inhaling the, kind of the juice is what they call it, the vaping juice, yeah. and then what they're exhaling is just vapor. So the conception is it's just water. I'm inhaling, you know, it's, it's boiling a, a pot of water and just taking in a big breath of the boiling water and then taking it out and that's their thought process of it. And hey, this one tastes like candy canes too, so it's even better. So that's that's the, what what people are thinking of vaping. You mentioned about like the it tastes like this or it tastes like that. Uh, the flavorings are, are are things that certainly get people a lot hooked. Right. But the reality is is and correct me if I'm wrong, but but there's there's nicotine usually in the mixture right. of of e-cigarettes or this e-juice as they call that. And, and certainly that is that is obviously the big addictive component. Correct, exactly. So that's that's the thing. And so the, the what happens is people think when you think of cigarettes, everyone knows cigarettes are dirty. There's seven thousand or something carcinogens in that, but there's less in e-cigarettes. So people are thinking, oh, I can get some nicotine, so I can get a high off of it. I can get some of the the euphoric state of it. Or what kids are also doing is they'll take THC, which is the component in marijuana and they can put that juice in there, and so they can essentially smoke pot and not have to be quote-unquote smoking. So they're not taking in all that carcinogen in their mind, and they get the high, and they can do it kind of discreetly. And so that's part of the other, I think, allure, especially for kids, is that they're doing something in plain sight. Wow. Dr. Dr. Weiner, let me ask you this question, because, you know, we're talking about the, the fact that people are doing this. There's, I quoted some stats just a few moments ago on the, on the fact that we're seeing this, seeing this happening happening in so many kids. But let me ask you this question. 
uh, and, and I want you to piggyback a little bit on what Dr. Cover just said a few moments ago, but I actually want you to hit me with one fur further question, just to clarify things to, to people that are listening to us. What are the origins of vaping? Where did, so, when did it begin? So, so I believe the first vape pen was produced in China around 2003 or 2006, and they, they made it over, I think, in the late 2000s, maybe the early 2010s in that general vicinity. Um, really, the, 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 the origin of vaping, and speaking, again, to piggyback on Dr. Kovar, is that this is, this is a, another way of extracting a chemical from a substance. And so the, the idea is, right, that if any time you light something on fire, it creates carcinogens, right? We're not supposed to be eating burnt barbecue, burnt toast. And so the thought here is that, all right, so we're not, it's not smoking, we're not lighting it on fire, it's better for us. Um, as you mentioned, it's a misconception because when, whenever, part of what we're seeing here is that when you take some of the substances in there, like, say, for example, propylene glycol or PG, one of the two most common bases for this, when you heat it up, its chemical composition changes and it turns into some of these toxins and carcinogens that we're actually seeing in what someone actually inhales. Wow. So, I mean, so first of all, thank you for giving us a little more clarification on the origins. But the, the reality is, you know, we're talking, talking now, hey, you know, I might be, somebody might be a traditional cigarette user. And I think about going to the days like we were in high school, and, and we're not trying to date ourselves. Those, those of you guys that are watching us on Facebook Live or listening here on Intellectual Radio, you know, we're not, we're not trying to date ourselves. But, you know, in high school, people would say, oh, my gosh, like, you know, you'd say you knew that kids might be smoking cigarettes. Uh, and, you know, there was very, very it was very, um, there's so, so much a stigma to that. Uh, but now the, the availability of something so discreet, uh, it, it's a game changer out there because it has really changed the entire landscape. Um, Dr. Weiner, let me come back at you with the same question. How do you, how do we know that somebody might be doing vaping because of its discreet nature? Uh, you're not having the, you don't have a, uh, have a, a plume of smoke coming out from a traditional tobacco, uh, but how do we know uh, about that? So, so that is a really important question, and it's also a really hard question to answer. So well, one of the reasons why this is catching on with youth is that it's very easy to hide. Uh, Juul, uh, which is a type of e-cigarette, a type of vaporizer essentially, is small to the point it basically looks like a flash drive, and you can, you can conceal it in your fist, and so it's very easy to just hide it, take a puff, say blow the vapor out into heavy clothing, particularly in the winter, no one might even know. The, 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 the smell is much less. It won't set off fire, uh, fire alarms, smoke detectors. We hear all the time about kids basically using the bathrooms now as like vape shacks where they could just go in there. You've heard stories about kids. It's, it, you mentioned game-changing. It's actually a game for some of them to uh, v video themselves vaping in places they shouldn't and then post it on social media like Instagram or Snapchat. So it's very difficult. But what I say, what, what you can look for, and this is particularly for parents, I think a lot of folks don't know this, aside from the paraphernalia, of course. If you, if you see either the, the, the a vaping device itself, again, a jewel looks a lot like a flash drive, but there are some differences. And then there are some larger apparatuses as well, some with larger tanks. You might also look for little vials of the, the liquid or the juice or the pods. Um, but you can actually test your, you, you can test your kids with, with relatively uh, valid uh, urine drug tests, actually, that you can buy uh, online uh, for just from online vendors like, say, Amazon. Very inexpensive for either nicotine or cotinine, which is a metabolite uh, of, of nicotine tests. And honestly, because if you're, you're, you're vaping nicotine in particular, there's not as many physiological signs of this. Sometimes the best way to test your children is to do a urine drug test. 
Excellent. Thank you for that commentary on that one. So let me ask this question, Dr. Kovar. Uh, Dr. Kovar, you know, you're a practicing pediatrician. I've been in practice for, for a number of years, now 17 years. And, you know, we were talking a little bit off air that, you know, you've, you've had plain conversations with, with kids in your practice about vaping. How prevalent are you seeing this in your practice or in the community that you live in? Well, I think, I think it's definitely more prevalent than kids will admit to. Um, every time I speak to a child, and just for the parents out there, uh, I preface every time I kick parents out because I need kids to feel that they can talk to me. And the thing that people need to remember, especially parents, is that we as physicians have to have uh, kind of in-depth conversations with these kids, and they also have to feel that they can tell us things and trust us. So I tell the parents, I can't tell your, child, I can't tell your parent anything that you tell me unless you're going to hurt yourself or someone else. That being said, I just always go, I remember uh, when I was in training, uh, my, one of my psychiatry professors taught me just to think, just assume that every teenager is drunk, high, um, drunk, high, depressed, sexually active, and um, uh, pretty much those are the four three. The, the, <laughs> just essentially, and, and suicide. Assume that. Yeah. And suicide. That's what kids do. So assume yeah. that and then have them prove you wrong. And, and, and that, if you kind of go with that, that thought process, it, it kind of opens things up because we as parents, we never want to think of, of our children doing anything bad. So the biggest thing is making sure we have open conversations with them. So when I kick the parents out, I just say, all right, let's, let's talk about this. And you always ask, you can ask about the kid, but I always ask about their friends. Because a lot of times you can ask a kid, oh, are you smoking? Are you drinking? Oh, gosh, no, no, no. Well, how about your friends? Oh, yeah, they're doing it all the time. And again, like, kind of like hangs with like. And so... If, if, if their friends are smoking, if their friends are drinking, if their friends are doing something, there's a pretty good chance that they're doing it as well. And, you know, if they, if they say that, you know, they have some friends who are doing it, um, you know, then we can kind of have a little bit more of a conversation. But it's, the other thing I always ask them is, how easy is it for you to get it? If I said right now, I need you to get me, you know, get me a vape pen, get me pot, get me something, how, how long would it take you? And the surprising uh, answer is not that long. It's usually within a couple of phone calls, they're going to have, or actually text because they don't call anymore. Yeah, no, but, with, uh, but within a couple of, you know, within a few minutes, they're going to get something. So it's a lot more prevalent than we think, and it's, it's, it's everywhere. And, and it, the, the, the funny part is we always have in our mind, uh, again, maybe it's just, you know, dating myself, of kind of the quote-unquote the druggie. You know, this is all oh, that guy, he's totally, he's a stoner. We have that, but it's not. It's the kids that are going to the very elite schools, the ones that you have to test into. They're just at risk as, as, as kids that are in public schools and kind of kids that you might look at and say, oh, I wonder if they're at risk. Everyone's at risk. And that's, I think, the mindset we have to have. It's just, again, going back to thinking that every single kid is doing it, prove me wrong. And if you go with that, it's a lot, it, it, it helps open conversations, which we as parents need to also have with our kids to let them know that we need to, that this is a conversation we need to have because kids, you know, as we've said so many times, misconceptions are there and it's a lot easier for them to believe their friends and when their friends are saying, oh, don't worry about this, this is so much safer than smoking, this is so much better than, you know, taking a hit off a joint, they're going to believe that more than they're going to believe the CDC because they're not looking at the CDC, they're not listening to, you know, they're not listening to their parents. So that's why we as providers have to make sure that the information that's going out there is is correct, but it's also that it's also reaching a wide range of people because we need the kids that it's affecting and also kind of get them before it's being they're being exposed to it, get them aware of it and also what to do when they do get exposed to it because they will. It's not a question of if but when. Aaron, um, when you when you when you're seeing clients and you're counseling patients and families, how do you approach that? Because there may be people that are listening to us right now and maybe parents at home. How do they take that first step 
to, to have that conversation with their child about vaping? Mm-hmm. Well, so, so it's, it's, it's really difficult. And, and something that Dr. Kovar said about uh, building relationships, it really is huge. Um, if you are plugged in, if you're plugged into your kids, you'll start to notice differences, differences in their friends, um, in what their friends are doing, um, in them, where they're spending their time, where their money is going, right? Because it, it takes money to do this as well. Um, on a related note, um, something to look at is social media. I, I'll go back to the, what, how do you start the conversation, but um, kids will post things on their social media even if they know that you've friended them on Facebook or you can see their Instagram. They'll, they'll still put stuff up there or you'll see things that their friends have done. And so either uh, friending them that way or just having access. Um, there, there, there's so many things that, that kids can get into. In the, uh, this isn't our topic for the day, but on social media, um, it, it's worth looking at that as a parent. And, and drug use and vaping use absolutely uh, falls into that category. In terms of how to bring it up, though, it, it's really tricky because it's very easy. It's very easy for kids to disregard what they hear from parents for any number of reasons, right? In terms of you're, you're cool, you're not plugged in, you don't know what you're talking about. They, they do not look at the CDC. That's that's absolutely true. Um, something that I've found was that when I when I work with kids or when I talk at school assemblies about this topic, that that, that seems to resonate is instead of going with the data, which we'll talk about today and which absolutely matters, I tend to find that they respond more to emotional appeals, particularly ones that involve getting fooled or used because they're young. And so if you can point out the fact that the reason why a lot of these things are happening, why why is vaping cool, why are they all of these flavors where you never see that anymore in, <clears throat> in cigarettes or, or, or cigars, etc., um, and you start to shine light on an industry that's really trying to use them, if every time... Uh, a kid puts a jewel up to their mouth and takes a drag, they're starting to wonder, am I getting melts for something? Is there some old guy who's just filling his pockets with my money and I'm playing into his hand? That's a, that, that's a great way to get under, under their skin in a way that they care about and potentially influence behavior in a way that saying things like popcorn lung or cancer or any of those other things won't. Exactly, yeah. So, I'm oh, sorry, I was gonna, just going to take back on that. That's, that's the thing, especially with kids, is people, you know, and kind of going back to smoking, people say, oh, don't smoke because you're going to get cancer. To a kid who's 16, 17, if someone said, you know, oh, my God, that guy died in his 30s, they're thinking, who cares? He was 30. That's, he's an old man. That, you know, that doesn't, you know, that's, that's so far out of their realm. You know, as I'm getting older and you hear someone, like, in their 80s passing, I'm always thinking, oh, my gosh, they're so young. But to a kid, their, their time is what is a very immediate. I mean, they're not looking 20 years, 30 years, oh, you're going to get popcorn lung, you're not going to do this. So you have to, you know, for things like smoking or that, you have to go to the athlete and say, well, you know what, you're now not going to be able to maybe run as fast, and now you're going to be cut from the, you know, you were varsity basketball, and now you're not going to. So, yeah, appealing to their emotional side is really what you have to do because that's what's going to get them. Or they're, you know, for, you know, for a kid that's smoking or something, um, but also burning, you know, hey, if that thing burns and you burn your hand, you can burn your lips, you burn your face, you're going to be left with a permanent scar. That's the kind of stuff that's going to get them because, hey, in 30 years, you're going to have, you know, lung cancer, like, yeah, who cares? And in 30 years, I'm, uh, you know, I might be dead. You know, that, that's, not, that's not their mindset. And that's the, the one thing that parents, you know, have to go because we're thinking, you know, I always say my 47-year-old head is thinking, as a 47-year-old, not thinking as a 17-year-old, which is a very different mindset. You know, it's interesting, interesting when uh, you talk about the, the, the things that can happen with related to vaping, and you mentioned, you know, if you burn something, you might have a scar that might be permanent. You know, there was a case recently uh, in Texas, I believe, last month, where a vape pen exploded, severed a carotid artery on a young gentleman, and he wound up dying. I think he might have been 24 years old. Uh, but that's, that was not the first case of 
of a um, e-cigarette device exploding and causing bodily harm. Um, so 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 the, the inherent dangers are there. I always kind of say, anytime you light up something, something's lit. There's a there's a potential danger. Going back to also what I say about lungs, I say your lungs are designed to help you breathe air. The only thing that should go into your lungs is air, purified air, hopefully clean air. But your lungs are designed to breathe for you to breathe air. That is it. Uh, but that's my kind of Dr. G approach on things. Uh, so let me ask this other question. So we're talking about other kind of side effects that can happen. So it's interesting because vaping is so relatively you know, newer in the sense of traditional tobacco use, uh, we're still trying to find out some of the more long-term effects. We only have really short-term data on side effects that can happen, but of course we talk about the nicotine component, so addiction. Uh, if there's some, if there's something that gets into your eye, eye irritation, injury, wounds to the face, mouth, lips, uh, airway irritation, cough, these are things that can happen. Air, airway resistance can happen. Uh, heart rate, cardiovascular stuff, heart rate, increased heart rate, uh, chest pain, blood pressure, those have all been reported. Now again, that might not be a big deal to a 17 year old, but some of my patients that are older, my adult patients, who already have some things, and maybe they might be traditional smokers. Now they switch to e-cigarettes. I, you know, I, you know, the best thing I can tell my adult patients is completely off, especially when they're carrying some inherent risks. So let me ask this question to Dr. Dr. Weiner. So Dr. Weiner, a couple other, you know, when I think about parents that are out there, are there any kind of like, like psychiatric or mood type uh, uh, be, uh, behaviors? or disorders that they might notice in their child to suspect that they might be vaping? You know, to be perfectly frank, I'm not sure if there are any psychiatric conditions that just straight up correlate any more than any others. What I would say, though, is that we do tend to see a, a correlation between psychiatric conditions and drug use in general as a, as a coping style. Um, more so, though, what, what, I, what I have folks look out for, um, vaping, just like any other drug, it has a subculture that goes along with it, and that's actually part of the draw uh, for kids. Is that they, Drugs in general, right? Uh, when you're a kid, you want to fit in. You're forming your identity, particularly in middle school, you're in high school. You want to belong. And one of the easiest ways to come to to overcome social awkwardness, whatever whatever you feel is getting in your way to forming those connections and being part of something, uh, all you have to do is put some you know put this substance in your body and you're part of the club, and that is a really easy shortcut. So uh, generally, what you find is that lower rates of substance use in general, vaping included, are in, uh, amongst kids who are engaging in pro-social activities, who are part of part of study groups, who are, are not left to their own devices for a long period of time, who are spending time uh, with with peers, and then also with adults who model good pro-social behavior, like not using drugs, not smoking, not vaping, those sorts of things. So although I couldn't necessarily pinpoint, hey, this disorder uh, corresponds with vaping, I think the same general trends and risk factors in terms of identity formation, in terms of coping with, with issues, and in this case, particularly social apply. Excellent. Dr. Cobra, what can we do at the, at like, you know, I think about, it I said in the beginning, some of my comments, it takes a village, uh, and we need to rise to the occasion together to help make some real practical solutions. So let me ask you this. I'm going to break it down by a couple different levels. So what can we do at the elementary school level to create awareness about vaping? I'm going to break it down to different phase. I'm going to ask you some of those same questions, Dr. Weiner. Let's start at the elementary school level. What can be done? Well, again, the, the hard part about elementary school is where where their mindset is, and you know, and they start talking about stuff. Um, fifth grade, they they might get into some of the health 
um, risks about it. Um, and so that's the thing, it's, it's all about education and kind of teaching them that it's not just cigarettes, but also getting um, that e-cigarettes are part of it, that, that that's part of the whole, these are things you don't want to put in your body, kind of, like you said, the only thing that should go into your lungs is air. So, to you know, they do a pretty good job about kids and, and cigarettes. In fact, if you ask any kid, would you ever smoke, they're like, oh my God, that is the most disgusting thing, who would ever do that? How about vaping? Uh, it's less. It's le It's seen as it's not a the dirty the dirty uh, the dirty habit, and that's the most important thing. Is that I think at the elementary school teaching kids just as you know you're teaching them about their body and for those kids you know fourth fifth grade where they can kind of get a little bit more understanding, start having those conversations of these are the things, but also what to do when you are getting put in these situations because that's the issue. It's not. So, it's like a lot of stuff. People know something's bad, but as as Dr. Weiner said, like when when you're sitting there and your friends are saying, oh by the way, hey this is. You can do this. Hey, you want to? You know, you want to do this. You want to do this. We're all doing it. And you look around, and nine of your friends are doing something, and you're the lone man out. That is a very lonely place to be. So, especially for those kids that might have, that might not have that social group, and might not have that kind of um, self-preservation is not the maybe not the right word, but I think it's a fine word. But they might not have that. That yeah, you know what? I'll do that. And then it's it's kind of like in every you know like 19 was that reefer madness. You know, the guy takes one hit, and then all of a sudden you watch his eyes go crazy and. But that's kind of what happens. Like, oh my gosh, hey, I took a hit off my jewel, off a jewel, and now I'm part of the club because it's kind of now I'm being welcomed with open arms. So it's teaching kids that you know it's okay to say no and it's okay to kind of be that guy. But it's also to teach kids not to push things onto other people. That's and that's the hard part to do. Thank you, Dr. Weiner. Are you aware of any strategies that are happening at the middle school level to educate uh, kids about vaping? Yeah, well, and, and not to not to just echo Dr. Kovar entirely, but honestly, refusal strategies—that's a big one. So there are, there are some folks who are doing role playing, where you can actually work with kids to say, "So this is the situation you're in. This is what's being said to you. How do you say no?" And and, and practice that because it is a situation that they'll likely to be able to find that they'll find themselves, and then they need to know how to navigate that. Um, really, the, the big part is how do you limit exposure to those situations, right? Because the more people are around that, again, can you get them in these pro-social environments? How do you limit their exposure to the chances? And then when it's in front of them, do you equip them with the skills and the confidence to say no? Very well. Dr. Cobra, what about at the high school level? What kind of strategy should be implemented by the time, you know, people get to high school? Well, I think the, the one of the a couple things, kind of obviously all the things that we've talked about before, a couple of things are um, getting social media involved because, you know, we all know when we go on a website and you search up, oh, I wonder, you know, let's see, I'm going to have, so have Crock-Pot stew tonight, and you look up Crock-Pot stew, you look off to the side and there's, hey, here's a new Crock-Pot. So there's, there's, there's little... Um, cookies that get put on and so a kid could put something in about vaping and next thing you know I mean Jewel's a company there or in and, and all the vaping they're, they're companies they want to make money off of you so you put that stuff in it's now going to be tied to that so really calling on social media to say hey you guys have a role in this too and yes you might be just kind of the medium to get people talking you know and, and kids doing stuff but to also have them not have their uh, their branding and, and to make it so that you can't have it. You don't, you can't have cigarette ads. Those are things that are taken off. You don't have that stuff. But um, you look at the, I'm, I'm old, I have the newspaper. But I looked at, uh, I opened up the, uh, uh, a paper, a, a Chicago paper, I don't know if I should say which one, and there was a whole page ad. It was a woman, it was an older woman, but she's like, I tried to, I tried to stop smoking, I tried to stop smoking, I, tried, I went back, tried to stop smoking, and it's a whole page of her like, uh, you know, trying to quit and going back, and then it just said, Jewel. And so that's the kind of stuff, but that's an actual advertisement. It's a whole page advertisement. And so you think about how much money they're spending on that, 
That's the biggest thing is it's making it so you know what? Hey, screw you. No, you can't. Yes, we know it as a newspaper or as whatever. We're not going to take your money and getting that involved so that the kids aren't even exposed to that because, you know, they're, again, they're not looking at some old lady smoking. That's not what they're looking at. But they're looking at when they're, you know, something on one of their little games or one of the little things and there's a little pop-up ad that says something. It, it's getting that involved and getting, and, and the bigger thing I think is actually getting parents involved because unfortunately as parents, we are so busy. We spend so much time doing everything about our job, about our life, you know, life happens when we're, you know, not noticing it. But the other thing that happens is kids grow up. And so, you know, unfortunately, you know, parents, we, a lot of us are, are both working and, you know, we don't, I don't want to say have time for kids, it's not the right words, but we're not there as much as we were, you know, and, and that's the thing. So when kids are left to their own devices, Things bad badness happens. So, but it's it's having that conversation and feeling strong enough to start those conversations and making sure that your kids have an open dialogue. And that's I think the biggest thing because teenagers are hungry for answers. They want answers. They're begging for us to give us some. To, you know, even though they might not want it, they're begging for us to to talk to them. But it's how we approach it. If you come at a kid with, this is how you suck then they're going to immediately put up barriers, just like anyone. And if they're like, oh, this is what you're doing that's possibly horrible, or, hey, your friends your friends are, you know, drug addict, you know, lowlifes, at that point, the walls are up and you're not getting through that wall. And that's the thing. So we, it's, it's having good conversations and having age-appropriate but also heart-to-heart -heart conversations with our kids. And, you know, kind of as we talk, it's a hard conversation to start with your teenager. So that's yeah. it. You know, I've got a couple, I've got a couple um, athletic coaches, high school coaches that are in my clinical practice that are patients of mine, and... Um, we kind of go off topic sometimes in our in our one-on-ones talking about this because I want to always kind of pick their brains on people who are in the trenches. And, you know, the reality is what I, what I respect a lot about, about a lot of the high school coaches is a lot of times they're around the kids more so than the parents are around. And so the kids will look at the high school coach as another parent. And so I've been trying to talk with some of my high school coaches when I pick their brains, and they'll say, oh, yeah, we have this conversation just back, back about what you said earlier that, that a kid might – maybe get cut from the team or might lose a step in their track and field but coaches have a big influence on things too and and, and so i think you know your role models that are out there uh, are very much important in, in steering a kid in the right direction or steering a kid in the wrong direction it's interesting what you said about the but the pop-up ads because uh because the the company jewel and you know they've come, come out and said and i quote this, this is from a cnn interview published in june of 2018 they interviewed the chief administrative officer at jewel labs and she said quote we were completely surprised by youth usage of the product. Uh, it's been devastating to us, and this is not a product for youth. And when I when I when I was researching that interview and read those comments, and I kind of said, you know, can I really take them at their word? Because right now we're saying we're going to promote money more so than health. And I, I have it as a physician. That's a big problem to me. Yeah. Dr. Weiner, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I've seen that too. And it, it really, it, it's really interesting because I, it's hard for me to really know how much latitude to give it. So I, I'd encourage all, all of your listeners to, to hop onto your web browser and type in, uh, did Jewel lure teenagers and get customers for life? It's actually a New York Times uh, reporting piece that came out uh, maybe about a year ago. Uh, it, it, it's, but uh, it, it's still extremely relevant. Um, what they show are the early, basically the early tactics of Jewel, where when you look at the ads, they're all, they're, they're young people, they're wearing hip clothing, there's lots of colors, they're clearly not marketing at like the 40 and up demographic. I'm not, not really, not even a little bit. There's articles in there about how they paid social media influencers 
to, to, to pose with Julie, talk about Julie. These aren't things that you do if you're going in an older demographic. And it seems like after they got the ball rolling, and um, Dr. G, you and I were talking about this before the show, but there was a truth initiative study that came out that found that kids are 16 times more likely right now to use jewels than adults, 16 times. And so if that's the case, that, that's like most of your revenue right there. You, you really couldn't survive without it. So now you can do an about face and say, oh, we never saw it coming. You can put out these series of ads that they've done. They clearly are going at an older demographic, but at this point, most of their revenue is coming from somewhere else. The, the, the snowball's already been pushed down the hill, and you, you really can't take that back. So was, was she CEO in the beginning? I couldn't tell you. Is she being honest? I couldn't tell you, but the bottom line is that, they're, they're in my opinion, they're not doing nearly enough, although maybe at this point, again, the, 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 the snowball's in motion. I agree. So, so you brought up a good question. I'm going to take those last words when you said they're not doing, you know, we're not, they're not doing nearly enough. The reality is we need to do more as as clinicians, as practitioners, as public health advocates. Let me ask this question to Dr. Kobar. What does the medical in industry need to do to help combat this issue? Well, I think quite frankly we need to, I'm going to be a little bit bold, we need to have a set of balls and actually say something and do something and be proactive and get and talk to our representatives and talk to the people that can change things. Talk, you know, it's, it's one thing to say to one person, hey, we can't do this. You know, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. But it's actually getting the the lawmakers, getting being having an active voice, putting stuff on your social media, putting stuff on your Facebook, on your websites, your Facebooks, whatever we have to to make sure we're talking. But also for those of us in pediatrics, like I said earlier, is talking with the parents and making sure they can do it. But we need to just be we need to be vocal. We need to make sure that we're also addressing it. It's a lot of times people have our own hangups because. It's, but with pediatrics, we don't want to think. We always want to think of our kids as pure, pure as the driven snow. And you know, it's it's every every parent always has that same look of the person on on TV when they find out that like their next door neighbor was a uh, you know an axe murderer, and they're like, oh my god, he seemed like I was surprised. He seemed like such a nice guy. And that's kind of the face that every parent has about their kids. Like, oh my gosh, I, he was in sports. She was doing this. They did. We don't because we don't think that way. So we have to have you know we have to have that a kind of a little bit of a cynical thing. But I think as 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 providers, we need to make sure that we're talking to the people that can help maybe change things. Getting like I said, getting the uh, getting the representatives in our districts to get something to maybe push on you know the legislative bodies to make it so that it's harder to get to or you know talk to the get the drug companies, the Walgreens, the CVSs, and say hey, are you selling these? No. Don't and because if it, you're making it, I mean, harder and harder, then people say, "Oh, you're just going to drive it to the underground." That might be true, but you know what? If you can, if you can make it less accessible, because it's not, it might not be the 15-year-old who's getting it, but it's their 18-year-old brother who's getting it for them. It's their something-year-old. It's it's getting it's it's people can get people can get something no matter what. And I think it's just somehow figuring out a way to get more people involved and to stop it from just being there and get those companies out and can I hit them where it hurts at the pocketbook sue the crap out of them until they're like you know what forget it we're done we can't do it you know like with with tobacco I mean just it's education and and it's it's changing changing the the mindset that you know making it that jewel isn't the safe alternative but it's just as horrible as you know Joe Camel I mean Joe Camel was a cartoon that made kids want to smoke now you don't see Joe Camel much anymore and you know Cigarettes are decreasing. So you got to kind of do something like that. Dr. Weiner, what are your thoughts on what needs to happen from the health community, the medical community, to help uh, make this problem go in the opposite direction? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that 
Well, so I'm going to talk about medical. I'm also going to talk about everybody, regardless of who's listening and what your occupation is, because I think that really what Dr. Kovar was touching on here is that part of how we change this, this is a societal issue now. Like this, this really has gotten rolling, and part of how you change society is through policy change. So to give you an example, looking back to the past, the Tobacco Control Act of 2009 put tobacco under the jurisdiction of the FDA, and one of the first things they did was they outlawed flavoring in cigarettes and cigars because a disproportionate amount of kids used flavored cigarettes and cigars. And that's why they did it. And now, actually, on the Surgeon General's website, one of the studies he cites says that 85% of kids right now say that they vape because of the flavors. The reason why there's flavors in vapes is because vapes, they're not tobacco, right? They're what's called an NDS, a nicotine delivery system. So there's a loophole. So they can do it. And they know exactly what they're doing. That's part of the disingenuous aspect about this. Even from Juul, when they sell flavors like mango and cream and fruit and those sorts of things, these people know exactly who this appeals to. That's why they've been banned in other areas. So what we what we really have to do is we have to look look upwards to our elected officials and and ask for action. Take for example, Tobacco 21. Actually, I'm not sure if, if Governor Pritzker is going to sign it, although it was favorable, but it, it passed through our General Assembly. That raises the, the, the age to have nicotine, to sell to someone a nicotine product to 21 in the state of Illinois instead of 18. The whole principle behind that is exactly what Dr. Kovar was saying. You limit the access, you limit the exposure. But that, that didn't happen overnight. It took a long time. We really had to work hard to get the nicotine industry, the tobacco industry under control. But each person, whether or not you're in the medical industry or not, has a voice, has a representative who you can call, and they do keep track of those calls. And to bring it back to the medical industry, any, anyone who is listening uh, who, who has an advanced degree, um, use that as a platform for social change. Um, you, 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 you've been educated, and sometimes that can get you into channels and give you a platform uh, that, that's harder for other people to access. And if you have that voice, use it. Excellent. I, you know, I think about you just kind of the words you're saying makes me think about what we're doing today. And this is a way to get a message out there that say, hey, we are, we are, care, we, you know, we're, we're people serving people at the end of the day because we care about each other. That's quintessentially us as human beings. And I think that applies to most people. And so this is a way to spread that message, spread the awareness, the education. So I want everybody out there that's watching right now or listening to us, whether on Facebook or listening to us here on Intellectual Radio, listen, go out there, spread this message. We have to do this together. This is a big problem. And as a parent myself, I would be, I would, I would, I would just, I, I wouldn't know what I, what I would do if I found out that my kids were doing something like this. Now my kids are super young. But, but there's going to be a point where they get to be teenagers and then that peer pressure comes into play and I don't, and I got to figure out how I'm going to deal with that. But, but have open communication with your family, your loved ones, spread this message and together, hopefully we can then start making measurable change. I want to pick back to what, uh, you know, what, what's going on in the industry. I was just reading the BBC this morning, uh, the city of San Francisco, California just proposed a new law to ban e-cigarette sales until their health effects are evaluated by the U.S. government. And so it appears to be kind of the first of its kind in the U.S. and seeks to curb the rising usage by young people. So uh, we're talking about now making some measurable action. So with the time left I want to do right now, I want to get to one of my favorite parts of, of the show every week. We do a, a section called Myths versus Facts. And again, this is designed to help clear the air. Again, health can be misleading. Navigating your health can be misleading. As I said in the beginning, I want people to leverage me, leverage my network of health experts, 
and let's get healthy together, but let's tell the truth, let's set the record straight. So how it works, I say a statement and my panel says, myth or fact, and they give me a little uh, statement why it's a myth or a fact, we'll kind of keep it rapid fire a little bit. And so, uh, but again, we're helping to try to clear the air. So here we go, myths versus facts, vaping. Here we go, first statement to Dr. Kovar. All right, here it is, myth or fact. E-cigarettes help people quit smoking. Huh. Uh, that would be a myth. Uh, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's about 30% of kids that, or people that start with e-cigarettes will eventually move on to cigarettes. So, uh, you know, nice try, Jewel, but no. <laughs> swing and miss. Uh, swing and miss. I will say there, there was just a recent publication done by uh, New England Journal of Medicine, at least in the adult population. Certainly, again, it's not happening in the youth population. Something that was published recently in the adult population about um, um, looking at e-cigarette use versus nicotine replacement therapies. And you saw a little bit of a change. I believe it was, quote, twice as likely, but this was just published last month uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine by a randomized trial of e-cigarettes versus nicotine replacement therapy. But we still have to do much more work. The reality, and even what Dr. Kovar could probably say, is that people are double dipping. Uh, they're doing e-cigarette and traditional cigarettes as well. Uh, Dr. Weiner, here you go. Here's a statement. All right. Exposure to e-cigarette vapor is harmful to bystanders. Is that a myth or a fact? So that is a fact. Um, there, there are a number of chemicals that have been detected both in, uh, in the vapor that's inhaled as well as the vapor that's expelled. Essentially, the, the bottom line of all of this is that while, uh, while there are fewer carcinogens and toxins in an aerosol from a vape pen, uh, than a cigarette, there are still absolutely a bunch of them. I think uh, there, there is one uh, study out of Berkeley Labs that found 31 different toxic chemicals in there. Um, it, it's, it's not a benign substance. So absolutely, absolutely, it is a fact that the vapor is harmful to bystanders. Thank you. Here we go, Dr. Kobar, statement, myth or fact, vaping does not harm the lungs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That, yeah, that would definitely be a, a myth. Uh, yeah, it's it's the, the the problem is that the studies, you know, we it's it's so new that we haven't seen what the long term effects are. But yes, you get you know the popcorn lung, you get all these things. There are different problems that are coming along, and we're just starting to now see some of the effects. And uh, it's 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 gonna you know it's one of those things we always kind of say you don't want to find out 20 years from now like oh yeah gosh you know you thought it was good but now it's not and let's go let's build that time machine and go back and stop you from 20 years ago from doing this. It just doesn't happen. So it's better to not even do it because, yes, we, we have something. We just don't even know how bad it's going to be. And, and wouldn't you hate to find out it was actually worse than smoking? And they're both bad. Don't get me. Don't say, oh, the dogs start smoking. But, you know, it's just, it, yeah, it's, it's totally, totally Go, Going back to earlier when I said your lungs are our lungs are designed to breathe air. I cannot be any clearer than that. you got to breathe air. All right. Thank you, Dr. Kovar. All right. Here's the next statement. Dr. Weiner, here we go. Myth or fact, vaping, here we go. Uh, E-cigarette vapors contain formaldehyde. What do we know about that? So that is absolutely a fact. Um, it, it's, uh, it has been found in studies. Actually, there was a study put out by the Center for Tobacco Control Research and Education that found formaldehyde along with at least nine other cancer-causing carcinogens. Um, in the vapors. So it's something that a lot, of, a lot of kids will say or things like, oh, well, it's just water and salt and all that. It, it's, it's, one, as I alluded to earlier in the show, that that's not all that's in there. It, there's, there's a base. It's usually either purple and glycol or vegetable glycerin, but when you heat that and you also heat the flavoring, 
um, up, the chemical composition changes. It turns into a lot of other things additionally, depending on how you operate your device. There's some that were actually the heavy metals that are in the heating element can flake off as well. And there's been uh, lead, cadmium, nickel, a lot of things found in the vaping aerosol. So, and I guess actually I'm going to add one other thing on here too. There's a huge amount of heterogeneity in vape juice. So part of the issue is there's no regulation to what's being produced. It's all basically being done in China right now. And so what's in there, what's not, if the labels are accurate, you really don't know. So absolutely, it's a fact there's formaldehyde and a lot of other bad stuff in there too. And I'll we'll pay back on that one, Dr. Weiner. Just last week, the U.S. FDA came out and released uh, its proposed guidelines giving companies until the year 2021 to apply to have their e-cigarette products evaluated more formally. It's interesting that was a date that was postponed. The FDA originally had told e-cigarette companies they had until August 2018 to basically uh, give information on their products, but the agency later on came out and said more preparation time was needed. Again, kind of still kicking the can down the road. All right, here we go. Next statement here. We'll do a few more of these. Dr. Kovar, here we go. Statement. All right. E-cigarettes will lead young people into smoking. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, again, kind of like I was alluding to before, some of the studies have shown that e-cigarettes are, you know, are, are one of the things that will lead kids into uh, eventually smoking the cigarettes because the, the nicotine might not, be that, might not be enough. It's also they're already kind of here as they get older. They need that next level up, and so maybe they go into cigarettes. So, yeah, it's definitely something that they can lead into. Excellent. Here we go, Dr. Weiner. And then maybe I might do one of these myself just for fun. Who knows? It depends <laughs> on how I feel. Got two more of these. Here we go. Uh, here we go, Dr. Weiner. Here we go. Uh, E-cigarettes are not risk-free but are far less harmful than cigarettes. So that, that's, that one's tough to say. So that is definitely more fact than myth, although I think the word far is what I'm getting hung up on. So basically we, we know that there are more toxins. We know that for short-term health outcomes that cigarettes are, we know there's more toxins in cigarettes, there's more short-term negative health outcomes and damage to, to organ systems from cigarettes. Um, however, the gap between them, we really don't know yet. And actually, we're, we're still getting the data on the longitudinal studies on cancer, although we do know and we do have conclusive evidence that the toxins and the carcinogens from vaping do, do cause DNA mutagenesis, which causes cancer. So it's one of these things where is it the way I like to put it when I'm presenting on the subject is that if you are smoking cigarettes, the, the only time you should ever vape is if you are smoking cigarettes because then you are poisoning yourself less quickly um, because you're still poisoning yourself. So how much less? I, I, I don't know, but it is true that you are poisoning yourself less. Well, hey, you put that, you hit the head on the Dr. Cover and I are here kind of like smirking a little bit at each other, but you summed that up really, really, really well there. You're poisoning yourself less quickly. And that would lead me into the last statement that I was going to say, and I said I might participate in myths versus facts, but here it is. Uh, we'll see if I like this. E-cigarettes lower immunity to infections and germs. And I'm going to say, absolutely, you are you, you do e-cigarettes, you inhale something into your lungs that's not normal to be into your lungs, you're putting yourself right at risk for a whole host of potential issues, uh, including uh, infection, organisms, germs, you name it. And of course, as my panels have said, a lot of other co contaminants and uh, products that are uh, very bad chemicals for your lungs. So thank you guys. That was a great myth versus facts vaping style. So here we go. We got about five minutes left, guys. And this has been a, a, a great talk because, again, we're talking about vaping, the realities of it, but we're also trying to rise to the occasion. We know it's here. 
we've got to do something about this. And so, so first of all, everybody that's been listening to the show, I'm so thankful for you guys to have tuned in because these experts, Dr. Weiner and Dr. Kober, they care passionately about our communities. And that's why I wanted them to be on the show today because they can spread the message, they can say the words uh, passionately about what they're trying to do and they're trying to make our communities healthier. But you have to do that by creating awareness. Once you create awareness, you create opportunity and hopefully as people are opportun have opportunity and become engaged, we now have measurable action. So here we go. We've got about five minutes left to you guys. So Dr. Weiner, I want to ask you this. Um, you know, We've been talking today about vaping and the epidemic. Why don't you give us a few take-home points for people that are out there listening to be successful and hopefully together as we try to lower the vaping burden in our countries. Absolutely. So the first thing I would say is that if you if you are a parent, be connected to your kids. Um, know who they are. Know who their friends are. Monitor them on social media. Um, keep keep track. Um, and that is the number one way that you can help guide your child towards making healthier solutions. I know childhood, there's a huge range of, in the developmental curve there. Um, you know, middle school, high school, you know, even before, there's so much there. But if you can stay connected to them and use strategies appropriate for every age, put them in pro-social situations, and be there, be a trusted person in their life, if things start to take a turn, that's huge. Um, second, uh, give no reliable information and give it to people who need it, like children, uh, in whatever channel you have. If, if you have the ability to have a platform uh, to, to, to do presentations, say, at like a local library, um, even if it's just to your kids, being able to give them information that's reliable and that, that they'll take from you um, if they trust you is critical because they are hearing different narratives all the time. Um, on Reddit, from their friends, um, it's, it's not what they're hearing. They're getting all of these messages that are industry consistent, and we have to have another way to reach them. Um, and lastly, as, as we mentioned before, realize, uh, Dr. G, you mentioned, like, we, we are doing a show for the reason of spreading awareness. Um, just, one, just one show, not going to fix the problem, just one person won't, but you string all these things together, right? This is how voting works. This is how movements work. We, we have to not, don't marginalize the impact that you yourself can have on this if we all take responsibility and speak out. So if, if you care about this issue, make your voice heard in your community with your representatives. Thank you, Dr. Weiner. Dr. Kovar, a few take-home points? Yeah, I think a lot of it is exactly, you know, kind of what was said. It's just funny, I was just thinking, you know, you were talking about the high school and the, the, uh, the athletic coaches. Um, yesterday at, uh, at, at the NCAA game, um, there was a coach who's retiring, and I'm not really into NCAA, so I forgot who it was. But he said, thank you so much for letting me take care of your boys. You parents have given me your children for the last four years. And I think that's a huge thing for those kids that are in there. The coaches, everyone, it's not just health providers that are talk, that can talk about this. Everyone can talk about it. So it's the high school gym teachers. It's the, you know, the, the people who, take, uh, who teach their kids Little League or their, their daughter's dance or their son's dance or whatever. If you're having some impact on kids having that conversation and talking with it and making sure that it's an open discussion and it's not accusatory, but just having having a, a discussion with your ch children so that they know the truth. That is, I think, the, the, the most important thing and making sure that kids feel that they have someone that they can go to for those answers because that's the, the biggest thing. And again, as has been said, one person does can make a difference and one person you know one person can get two people two can get four four eight and the next thing you know we're having change and and that's the thing remember the big tobacco companies the big vaping companies 
they have millions of dollars at their exposure and they're going to do every single thing that they can to keep coming at you. And if you want to just roll over and, and just be rolled over by them, that's your decision, but don't let it be your child's. Make sure that they know that they can say no and that they cannot be duped by this industry. Excellent. My final thoughts are this. You know, it is our civic responsibility, it's our social responsibility, I'll say, to make a change, to, to make the next generation better than their current generation. We have to provide them with the right tools to be successful with their health. We know that as you have success in your health, you're more than likely to have success in your life. And we want healthy living, healthy lives for all of us. Talking about this topic today, it cannot, this conversation cannot stop today. It's got to keep coming. I implore you out there to spread this word, spread the message of this show, get our communities healthy together, and let's keep this health revolution going strong. So I want to thank my guests today. This has been a great show. Dr. Aaron Weiner, Director of Addiction Services at Linden Oaks Behavioral Health. Check him out at www.eehealth.org. Dr. Stephen Kovar, Board Certified Pediatrician at Kids First Pediatrics, LTD. Check him out at www.kidsfirstdocs.com. I tell you what, everybody, this has been a great show. You've been listening and watching live on Facebook and intellectualradio.com. This episode is written by Mark D. Gomez and Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Producer is Tiffany E.R. Gomez. Music is by the wonderful Mr. Havis. Copyright 2019 by MDG Wellness LLC. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Actually, I take it back. It'll be in two weeks. I'm on vacation next week. Stay tuned for the episode in two weeks. It's going to be spring into movement. Hey, check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. Peace out.